Chapter Ten of the Suffragette: The History of the Women's Militant Suffrage Movement by E. Sylvia Pankhurst. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ten, the formation of the Women's Freedom League, revival of militant tactics. In spite of its unprecedented growth, the Women's Social and Political Union was now approaching a very difficult crisis in its history little by little differences of opinion in regard to questions of organization and policy had begun to show themselves amongst the members of its governing body and finally in september nineteen hundred seven a reconstruction of the committee and constitution of the union took place now although every one of the original founders of the union remained a number of those who had for some time belonged to the central committee left to form a new militant society called the women's freedom league which opened its offices at eighteen buckingham street strand and of which mrs despard became honorary treasurer mrs billington greig honorary organizer and mrs edith howe martin honorary secretary note twenty four at the same time a reconstruction of the organizing basis of the women's social and political union itself was effected and it became obligatory for all members of the union to sign the following pledge i endorse the objects and methods of the women's social and political union and hereby undertake not to support the candidate of any political party at parliamentary elections until women have obtained the parliamentary vote all the prominent members of the w s p u who had not already done so now formally severed their connection with the political parties to which they had one time belonged during the past year a useful little weekly paper entitled woman's franchise had been started by mr and mrs francis as the joint organ of the various suffrage societies and in the month of october nineteen hundred seven note twenty four votes for women the organ of the women's social and political union was first issued as a monthly paper by mr and mrs pethick lawrence our members at once volunteered to sell it in the streets and were soon turning themselves into sandwich women and parading about with its contents bills slung from their shoulders riding on horseback through piccadilly with its posters hanging from the saddle selling it from decorated buses and carriages canvassing for subscribers and advertisers for it and evolving a hundred and one devices to increase its sale as a result of these efforts both its size and circulation increased rapidly in may nineteen hundred eight it became a penny weekly paper and in the beginning of the year nineteen hundred nine its circulation had risen to between thirty thousand and fifty thousand copies weekly and it was handed over by mr and mrs lawrence to the union itself as a paying concern on october fifth a woman's suffrage procession was organized in edinburgh by the militant and non-militant women's suffragist societies and some four thousand women from all parts of scotland assembled under the shadow of arthur's seat and cheered by upwards of a hundred thousand people who had gathered to see them marched thence to the synod hall where there was held a crowded demonstration which overflowed into the pillar hall sir henry campbell bannerman was in edinburgh at the time and was asked to receive a deputation from the processionists but though this was backed by many influential scotswomen he refused when on october twenty second he spoke at dunfermline in his own constituency the premier was obliged as scotch heckling is a recognized institution to reply to the questioning of women as well as of men he was asked as the prime minister believes in woman's suffrage would he suggest some fresh methods which we could adopt in order to gain our enfranchisement he replied i think women ought to go on agitating holding meetings and pestering as much as they can as all other men and women who are interested in public questions have to do whatever this piece of advice may have been intended to suggest it certainly sounded very much like a justification of the policy of 
pestering members of the government at their meetings for six months the suffragettes had devoted themselves to strengthening and extending their organization electioneering the distribution of literature and the holding of propaganda meetings of which between may and october some three thousand had taken place including a demonstration in bogart hole cloth manchester attended by fifteen thousand people another in stevenson square manchester attended by twenty thousand people and meetings in hyde park each sunday at many of which the audiences had numbered upwards of twelve thousand nevertheless the question of votes for women which had bulked so largely in the papers whilst the militant tactics had been in full swing had almost entirely disappeared from the press during these latter months and any one who judged from the newspapers alone might well have imagined that the agitation had died down this fact together with the government's continued refusal even to consider the question of granting votes to women was enough without the prime minister's curiously provocative statement to convince the suffragettes that the time had come to recommence an active militant campaign and from this time onward a cabinet minister's meeting was invaded on almost every day until parliament met in the new year again and again members of our union with a courage and perseverance which too few people have ever recognized presented themselves at these meetings and having asked their question or made their protest were rudely set upon by crowds of stewards and flung fiercely and violently out into the street many outsiders preferred to look upon the women who faced this violence as being harder and less sensitive or as differing in some other way from the rest of their sex but this was not by any means the case many of those who bore the worst brunt of the battle were women who had hitherto taken no part in politics and had always led quiet and sheltered lives others had had to fight hard for their livelihood indeed they were of all ages and of all classes week by week greater numbers of them were joining the union and coming forward to take a part in this work but young and old rich and poor were treated in the same way meanwhile cabinet ministers either expressed surprise and horrified disapproval of their behaviour or sought instead to cover them with ridicule mr sidney buxton at his meeting at poplar on october twelfth cynically called to his women questioners whom the stewards were maltreating to behave decorously like men that old self-styled friend of women's suffrage mr haldane addressing a meeting of women liberals in glasgow on january eighth nineteen hundred eight devoted the greater part of his speech to condemning the suffragettes saying that men did not like to be fought with pin-pricks and that though women might wage war he should advise them not to do it with bodkins at a meeting in his own constituency shortly afterwards he insisted that the women who interrupted him should be ejected by the police and when finally with bruised and aching limbs and torn and dishevelled clothing they had all been thrown out of the hall he treated the whole matter as a joke saying that he was bachelor-proof against these bells mr asquith like the prime minister was forced to reply to a question put to him in his own scotch constituency at tayport on october twenty ninth there he said that if the vote were granted to women it would do more harm than good and that in any case the house of commons is not elected on a basis of universal suffrage for children are not represented there at several meetings notably those of mr asquith at noneaton on november sixteenth and of mr winston churchill in the historic free trade hall the stewards behaved with so much brutality that the police intervened to protect the women but though at these gatherings of liberal partisans the women were usually flung outside without delay there were still some occasions on which the audience rallied round them 
incidents of this kind occurred when mr herbert gladstone now frequently nicknamed the prison secretary spoke in his constituency in leeds on november twenty first and twenty second on the first night the audience prevented the ejection of women questioners and on the second mr gladstone was howled down by both men and women and next morning the paper stated in startling headlines that the home secretary had been put to flight mr lewis harcourt the first commissioner of works had a similar experience in his constituency the rossendale valley on october twenty eighth during the day he declared to a deputation of women that he was opposed to their cause because he was at his evening meeting women protested again so vigorously and in such numbers that it was broken up and his departing audience flocked to hear mrs pankhurst who was speaking from a wagon outside the hall on november twenty second mr lloyd george stated to a deputation of the members of the old non-militant glasgow and west of scotland association for women's suffrage that votes could not be granted to women until the subject of their enfranchisement had been made a test question at a general election and disposed of the contention that this had already been done because over four hundred members of parliament out of six hundred seventy returned at the last general election had been pledged to support women's suffrage by saying that these pledges did not count because they had not been made to constituents as unenfranchised women were no man's constituents mr lloyd george therefore evidently saw no harm in the breaking of promises that had been made to them and he gave no indication as to how whilst neither political party was prepared to put votes for women upon its programme women were to make their franchise a test question at election times except either by obtaining pledges from individual members or by attacking the government in power as these suffragettes were doing he yet went on to say that he should oppose very strenuously any legislation that excluded any class of women from its scope and any measure to enfranchise women that would not give to the working man's wife as much voice in the making of the laws of the country as her husband possessed this meant of course that mr lloyd george would strenuously oppose the women's enfranchisement bill to give women the vote on the same terms as those upon which it had already been or might in the future be granted to men but he did not seem to realize that if he meant what he said and wished to act with honesty fairness and consistency towards this great question he ought strenuously to oppose the status quo which not only refused a voice in the making of the laws which governed her to the wife of the working man but to every other woman beside on december nineteenth a strange drama was played out in aberdeen the liberal officials of the town had succeeded in inducing the suffragettes to promise not to interrupt mr asquith if he would answer the question of one woman and they had begged mrs black the president of the local women's liberal federation to be the woman mrs black had agreed in the interests of peace as she said when she rose up to comply with the liberal officials request however she was howled at by their enthusiastic followers in the audience threatened by the stewards of the meeting and told by the chairman that she was out of order almost as though she had been a real suffragette though at last she succeeded in putting her question mr asquith replied in snappish and hostile manner mr alexander webster a unitarian minister and well-known citizen of aberdeen a slender elderly figure with long grey hair and the face of a saint was afterwards violently handled for trying to move a woman's suffrage rider to the official resolution finally mrs pankhurst who was seated at the back of the hall rose to explain the situation to the curious and excited audience and was immediately thrown out of the hall then the meeting broke up in disorder as the aberdeen free press put it many a liberal left the meeting with the uneasy feeling that the suffragettes had had the best of it 
nevertheless the suffragettes were loudly censured for these incidents especially by those who had consistently boycotted the suffrage question when women had worked quietly for it in the old days in reply to the critics dr george cooper an honest radical and member of parliament for bermondsey in the course of a letter to the daily news said my political life began as a member of the reform league it is within my recollection that in eighteen sixty seven and also in eighteen eighty four very few public speakers who were opposed to the extension of the parliamentary franchise to men whether members of the cabinet or otherwise could utter a single word at a public meeting meetings were broken up platforms stormed and their occupants had to escape the best way they could in eighteen eighty four every tory speaker used against the extension of the franchise the same arguments now used by some liberal speakers and newspapers against the extension of the parliamentary franchise to women why should women be condemned for using the same weapons men found so useful when demanding the vote for themselves cabinet ministers do not recognize antagonists using any other there is one fact which cannot be denied the activity of the suffragettes has lifted the woman's franchise bill out of the category of amusing and frivolous debate into that of a serious political question meanwhile the suffragettes were fighting at two more by-elections the first of these was at hull where polling took place on november twenty ninth the result being that the liberal vote was reduced from eight thousand six hundred fifty two to five thousand six hundred twenty three and the liberal majority from two thousand two hundred forty seven to two hundred forty one the second of these contests one of the most striking at which the w s p u has ever fought was at mid-devon in each of the seven elections that had occurred in this constituency since its creation in eighteen eighty five a liberal candidate had been returned the majority on the last occasion having numbered one thousand two hundred eighty nine votes the suffragettes at once opened committee rooms in the main street of newton abbott the principal town in the division and published a manifesto calling upon every elector who wished to see fair play for women to vote against the liberal candidate and concluding we want votes for women this year defeat the government in mid-devon as a message that women are to have votes in nineteen hundred eight the contest was a very trying one for the workers for in addition to the extensive area covered by the constituency it took place in a season of heavy snowfalls and bitter winds which came driving in from the sea besides this there was a most turbulent variety of human nature to contend with the mid-devon elections had always been notorious for their violent character and the roughs of newton abbott had long been a byword in the district early in the campaign the speakers representing both candidates were frequently hauled down and were unable to continue their meetings and though on the whole we fared very much better we ourselves had some similar experiences on one occasion some of the conservatives had arranged to speak at a place called bovey tracy but they fled away on being told that the liberals of the town were not only preparing to break up the meetings of their opponents but had even built a cage in which to imprison them on the same day three young members of our union had also appeared in bovey tracy they too were warned of the terrible cage but decided to hold their meetings in spite of it all went well and they were told by the men who went to hear them that they had no desire to injure those who trusted them and that the cage had only been built for cowards on one occasion it happened that mr buxton the liberal candidate and the suffragettes held simultaneous schoolroom meetings in the same village the liberal meetings had been advertised several days beforehand but though ours was arranged on the spur of the moment all the people came to our meeting and not a single person turned up to hear him 
as time went on the state of the district became more and more turbulent and the great party newspapers the london tribune daily news and others sought to stir up the wildest and most unrestrained element in the constituency the daily news hailed with enthusiasm the formation of what was known as the league of young liberals which was in reality a gang of young roughs whose first act was to push a policeman through the plate-glass window of the shop which served as our committee rooms this and other violent acts were described by the daily news as diverting incidents with the suffragettes but the special correspondent of the daily mail said miss mary gawthorpe who usually has no difficulty in maintaining good-humoured relations with audiences of every class was not only compelled to hear language from some of the newton abbott liberal partisans that brought a flush to her face and tears into her eyes but had to resist by force the efforts of one man to mount the wagon from which she and several other ladies were speaking and the most pitiful part of the business was that the language and the conduct seemed to be regarded by their perpetrators as engaging little gallantries appropriate to be offered to a lady a few days later the roughs dragged the lorry in which our women were speaking round and round with such violence that it was feared that it would be overturned and they only stopped when a little boy had been run over and trampled upon and seriously injured still the liberal politicians made no protest mr buxton's reply to a newspaper correspondent who asked him what he thought of the disorder was you must remember that they are keen politicians down here from the fact that mid-devon has had three elections within the space of four years the people have necessarily heard a great deal about politics so the contest went on liberals and conservatives smashing up each other's meetings howling each other down pelting each other with vegetables from the market and snowballing each other on dartmoor the daily telegraph for january tenth writing in regard to a liberal meeting threatened that if the unionists were not admitted the building would be stormed when on january seventeenth the poll was declared it was found that the liberal candidate had been defeated every one was surprised except the suffragettes the figures were captain morrison bell unionist five thousand one hundred ninety one mr c r buxton liberal four thousand six hundred thirty two unionist majority five hundred fifty nine at the general election the figures had been mr h t eve k c liberal five thousand seventy nine captain morrison bell unionist three thousand seven hundred ninety liberal majority one thousand two hundred eighty after the declaration of the poll mrs pankhurst and mrs martel the only members of the suffragette band left in the storm centre of newton abbott saw captain morrison bell escorted from the market square by a strong force of police and were themselves urged to hurry away and leave the town at once the warning seemed to them absurd and mrs pankhurst laughingly said that she had never yet been afraid to trust herself in a crowd immediately afterwards she and her companion met a procession of young men and boys wearing the liberal colours who were hurrying from their work in the clay pits as soon as they heard that the liberal had been defeated one of them pointed to mrs pankhurst and mrs martel those women have done it then the whole crowd of them started running and from somewhere or other came a shower of rotten eggs the two women were completely taken by surprise and more anxious to avoid the eggs than the angry crowd they rushed into a grocer's shop whilst a big brewer's drayman who had been standing by jumped into the doorway and fought their assailants off until they were safe the men and boys outside howled as their prey escaped them and the people to whom the shop belonged though anxious to protect the women cried out despairingly that the windows would be broken in 
mrs pankhurst at once said that she could not bear to be the cause of loss to those who had sheltered her and at her own request she and mrs martel were led through a back door and across a yard leading to a narrow lane behind whence it was thought that they would be able to escape as soon as the door had been shut upon them their assailants who had guessed their movements came rushing up mrs martel was seized by one who caught her by the throat and began to beat her about the head but in a flash the shopkeeper's wife had heard the noise and had opened the door again and somehow or other she and mrs pankhurst had rescued mrs martel and had dragged her into the yard the door was shut and safely bolted in all haste but just as it closed a man struck mrs pankhurst a heavy blow on the back of the head and as she staggered on the threshold pulled her back and she was left outside then the man gave an angry shout and one of them seizing her by the collar of her coat and by her wrists flung her to the ground she caught a glimpse of them all rushing on her then for a time she knew nothing until she felt the wet mud soaking through her clothes there was a pause as she lay there looking at them she saw that they had all closed round her in a ring and that in the centre was an empty barrel are they going to put me into it the thought flashed through her mind hours seemed to pass as she watched them all dressed in drab coloured clothes smeared with yellow clay and every one wearing a red liberal rosette they all seemed to be puny half-grown youths and without knowing why she did so she asked are there no men here for an instant they still stood then one of them came forward and she felt that whatever was to be done to her was about to begin but suddenly there was a shout and the police came galloping up with a crowd of rescuers at their heels her assailants turned tail and she was lifted up and carried back through the yard into the shop a large force of police now surrounded the premises but a great crowd had assembled and it was two hours before a motor-car could be brought through it and the women were able to get away the disorder did not end here for the rowdies flocked thence to the conservative club smashed every one of its windows and kept its members besieged there all through the night next morning the body of sergeant-major randall of the royal marines an ex-instructor of the newton abbott college was found in the mill-race foul play was suspected as he had been severely bruised about the head throughout this violent disturbance not a single arrest was made during the whole course of the election but one man was fined five shillings and costs for assaulting one of his political opponents well indeed might the suffragettes say that the treatment meted out to them was very different from that extended to men who were fighting on the government side as a result of the attack which had been made upon her mrs pankhurst was unable to walk for some considerable time and her ankle was so severely injured that it gave her trouble for more than a year whilst owing to the treatment she received mrs martel will probably always bear a scar upon her neck scarcely a word of regret for the violence which had been done to these two women ever appeared in the liberal newspapers who were so largely to blame for what had occurred after the election was over the conservative politicians claimed that they alone had kept out the liberals and the liberals also preferred to attribute their defeat to the tariff reformers rather than to the suffragettes only one of the liberal newspapers the manchester guardian admitted both during and after the election that the woman's question had played a decisive part the special correspondent of this paper in the issue of january twentieth said i think there can be no doubt that the suffragettes did influence votes their activity the interest shown in their meetings the success of their persuasive methods in enlisting the popular sympathy the large number of working women who acted with them as volunteers these were features of the election which although strangely ignored by most of the newspapers must have struck most visitors to the constituency 
an amusing proof that the liberals in the district had considered the suffragettes to be very formidable opponents came to light in the following mock mourning card which had been got out in expectation of the liberal victory in fond and loving memory of the tariff reformers and suffragettes who fell asleep at mid-devon on january seventeenth nineteen hundred eight the suffragettes and tariff reformers are now very sore and should see it's no use contesting mid-devon any more and the hooligans of shaldon you can send over and tell that a strong and buxton liberal has broken their bell r i p meanwhile the suffragettes were fighting the government at three other elections at south hereford ross wooster and south leeds the result of the poll at ross was that the liberal majority of three hundred twelve was turned into a conservative majority of over one thousand the figures were captain clive unionist four thousand nine hundred forty five mr whiteley thompson liberal three thousand nine hundred twenty eight unionist majority one thousand nineteen the figures at the general election had been lieutenant colonel allen c gardner liberal four thousand four hundred ninety seven captain percy a clive unionist four thousand one hundred eighty five liberal majority three hundred twelve footnotes twenty four they afterwards moved to robert street strand End of chapter 10